Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to a new Wednesday episode of the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And on today's episode, I want to talk with you about something that is really, really important that we've been seeing in the last couple of years become more and more an issue, and, and that is the issue of why the church is essential. You know, modern technology provides many benefits. Information, after all, can be exchanged at an unprecedented rate. The level of productivity can be astonishing. Face-to-face conversations can be had with people all around the world. But, But there's dark sides to this technology. We as Christians are very aware of the many common snares of this modern technology, not the least of which... You know, is easy the easy access to pornography that that even recently we've talked about on this show. For Christians who are trying to walk in purity and holiness, the challenge begins with the confrontation of of even lurid images and tempting captions on on seemingly innocuous websites such as Facebook and even news outlets. And yet there is, however, even a more subtle snare looking in this world of immediate access to the information that, that affects Christians in a unique way. The temptation of allowing online sermons to displace one's commitment to hearing God's word preached in person alongside covenant, uh, fellow covenant members at the place and the time where the local church gathers on the Lord's day. Now, don't misunderstand me here. Listening to sermons online, listening to podcasts, that's a good thing. But when it takes the place of gathering with God's people to hear from God's word, from the appointed shepherd of your soul, much of what God intends for our growth as followers of Jesus gets lost. And so here's five reasons why it's essential that every Christian gather with other Christians in the same local church week in and week out to hear the preached word of God from under shepherds of that congregation. First, a Christian's faith is fueled by hearing God's word. Let me say that again. A Christian's faith is fueled by hearing God's word. The apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome and said in Romans 10:17, "So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ." Now this has this has implications not just for the unbeliever but for the believer also. We will we be most inclined to listen and engage with preaching by being present where it's preached alongside others who have come for the express purpose of hearing and submitting to God's word proclaimed. This is one of the reasons the author of Hebrews commands in Hebrews 10.25 that Christians not neglect regularly gathering together. Second, hearing God's word from your own shepherd is unique to every other encounter with God's proclaimed word. Now, it's one thing to hear your favorite preacher expound God's word to his church or, or to a random conference crowd. 
It's an entirely different experience to sit in person, to hear God's word expounded and applied to you from your pastor who knows you and knows the congregation. The man who knows your struggles, your difficulties, your doubts, and who, according to Hebrews 13, 17, will give an account for your soul. Now, now third, never underestimate the power of personal connection. You know, I like to talk to my wife on the phone. Uh, when when I'm away, uh, I like to text her. I like to have conversation with her. But but even a, a phone conversation can never match the powerful impact of sitting across from her face to face, talking with her as I look her in her eyes. Likewise, there's a powerful connection between his shepherd and his flock when he preaches God's word to those whom he has been thinking about and even praying for as he prepared. The Holy Spirit uniquely uses eye contact, facial expressions, even body language in the, both the preacher and his hearers to create a powerful connection between them during a sermon. A pastor feeds off the visible reaction of, of his hearers. A, a congregation is moved by the pastor's burden over their souls conveyed in the sermon. Fourth, spiritual fruit comes from hearing with others. And, and we need to say that when the church gathers, the Holy Spirit works in unique and powerful ways that are missing in private gatherings. When a congregation collectively sits under the preached word of God, a level of accountability is established and nourished among the hearers to urge each other to go and apply that sermon. A greater obligation to do something with the word preached and to rely on one another for help and strength to obey it exists in this kind of community life that's not present when we listen in isolation or hop churches, depending on who is preaching that week. This is, as we talked about a few weeks ago now, about maybe a month ago or so now, this is why we need to be doing life with one another. That's why I encourage even sermon review in small groups. You're talking about uh, the sermon, you're, and, you're, and you're, to prepare, you're going to think about the sermon. What did you get out of it? What does it mean? How, how am I wrestling with this message even? And, and, and that's why we need to do uh, life with one another in communities so that, so that we can take what we hear and apply it to our lives and, and, and learn uh, how others are doing the same. Last, public sermons, they lead to corporate worship. Some form of one-on-one -on -one discipleship in a local church is essential for our personal growth as Christians. But you see, personal discipleship, it's a wonderful complement to the proclamation of God's word, to the, to the communal gathering of the saints, but it can never replace it, for it is one of the necessary marks of the church, Calvin said in his institutes in, in 4.1.9. And when the church hears God's word proclaimed, that word becomes the basis for even further conversations and growth and in one-on-one discipleship conversations that, that follows. The sermon gets everyone on the same page. Personal discipleship expands on the details of that page. One, one application is the, the ministry of the pulpit, the preached word, it fuels the ministry even of, of, of care and biblical discipleship as we've been talking about it, and even, even biblical counseling. So that so in this way, the, the pulpit, it affects every ministry in the local church. The, the, the pulpit, it, it fuels the, the, the ministry of biblical counseling even. We'll talk about that in a, in a future episode of this show. But, 
You know, there's there's so much about modern technology that can be redeemed for for God's purpose and even God's glory. But what technology cannot do is it cannot replace God's design for us to grow spiritually and to receive care for our souls. God has powerfully and unique purposes for every Christian in the local church. So many of those purposes are fueled when a when a group of God's redeemed people. Uh, covenant together in church membership to gather in person with one another weekly to hear from God through his preached word. Now, let's be clear. The church is always in need of reformation, right, around the word of God. Even in the New Testament, we see Jesus rebuking, rebuking Peter, and we see Paul correcting the Corinthians. And since Christians are always sinners, the church always needs reform. And the question for us is, is when does the need become an absolute necessity? Well, the great the reformers of the 16th century concluded that reform was urgent and it was necessary in their day. In, in pursuing reform for the church, they rejected two extremes. On the one hand, they rejected those who, ins who insisted that the church was essentially sound and needed no fundamental change. On the other hand, they rejected those who believed that they could create a perfect church in every detail. The church needs fundamental reform, make no mistake about it, but it all also always needs to be reforming itself. The reformers reached these conclusions by studying their Bibles. In 1543, the reformer of Strasbourg, Martin Bucer, asked John Calvin to write a defense of the Reformation for presentation to to Emperor Charles at the Imperial Diet set to meet at Cypher in 1544. Abusser knew that the Roman Catholic Emperor was surrounded by counselors who were maligning reforming efforts in the church, and he believed that Calvin was the most capable minister to defend the Protestant cause. Calvin rose to the challenge and, and wrote one of his best works titled The Necessity of Reforming the Church. This was a substantial treatise and it did not convince the emperor, but, but it's come to be regarded by many as the best presentation of reformed doctrine ever written. Now, Calvin began this work by observing that everyone agreed that the church had diseases both numerous and grievous. And now, Calvin argues that matters were so serious that Christians could not abide a longer delay for reform or, or even wait for slow remedies. He rejects the contention that the reformers were guilty of rash and impious innovation. Rather, he insists that God raised up Luther and others to preserve the truth of our religion. Now, Calvin saw that, that the, the foundations of Christianity were threatened and that only biblical truth would renew the church. And so Calvin looked at four great areas in the life of the church that needed reform. And these areas form what he called the soul and the body of the church. The soul of the church, he said, is composed of the pure and legitimate worship of God and the salvation of men. The body of the church is composed of the use of the sacraments and the government of the church. Now, for Calvin, these matters were at the heart of the Reformation debates. They are essential to the life of the church and can only be rightly understood in the light of the teaching of Scripture. Now, we might be surprised that, that Calvin placed the worship of God as the first of the reformational issues. But this was a consistent theme of his. Earlier, he wrote to Cardinal Saluto saying this, there, there is nothing more precious to our salvation than a preposterous and perverse worship of God. You see, worship is where we meet with God, and that meeting must be conducted by God's standards. Our worship shows whether we, whether we truly accept God's word as our authority and submit to it. Self-created worship is a form of works righteousness and an expression of idolatry. 
And now Calvin turned to what we often think of as the greatest issue of the Reformation, namely the, the doctrine of justification, saying this, We maintain that of what description so any man's work may be, he is regarded as righteous before God, simply on the footing of gratuitous mercy, because God, without any respect to works, freely adopts him in Christ by imputing the righteousness of Christ to him, as it were his own. And this we call the righteousness of faith, when a man made void and empty of all confidence of works feels convinced that the only ground of his acceptance with God is a righteousness which is wanting to himself and is borrowed from Christ, and the point on which the world always goes astray. For this error has prevailed in almost every age, is in imagining that a man, however partially defective he may be, still in some respect merits the favor of God by works. And so these foundational matters, they form the, the soil of the church. They're supported by the body of the church, the sacraments, the government of the church. And so the sacraments must be restored to the pure and the simple meaning and use given in the Bible. The government of the church must reject all tyranny that binds the consciences of Christians contrary to the word of God. And as we look out at the church today, we may conclude that reformation is indeed needed. In fact, it is necessary in many of the areas in which Calvin was so concerned. You see, only the word and the spirit of God will ultimately reform the church. So we should work. We should pray work prayerfully and faithfully that such reform will come in our time. You know, one thing as we wrap up this episode that, that I want to say is the church is absolutely essential. The church is, after all, uh, Ephesians 5 tells us, the church is bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. She is presented blameless. That's the language that Paul uses in Ephesians 5. And so the only institution that God has appointed uh, for the salvation and the discipleship of, of people's souls is the church. That means that the, the local church, as it's been said, is the hope of the world because it shares forth the message of the gospel. Now, that's not to say that other ministries, parachurch ministries like Servants of Grace are, are unimportant, but we need to make an important distinction here. The local church, not parachurch ministries, uh, are to carry forth the hope of the world. Parachurch ministries can serve to spread the gospel, but they can never replace the local church. This is why here at Servants of Grace, we, we aim to be a resource to the local church to strengthen the, the body of believers. And, and God, by his grace, has, continues to use Servants of Grace as a resource to the local church all around the world. We reach into almost every country of the world every single month. We reach tens of thousands, if not more, people every month. And that's God's grace. But our heart is for the local church. We don't exist as a ch the church, the local church. For one, we don't have biblically qualified elders because we're not a local church. We don't administer the sacrament, but we do many things that the church does. We, we provide resources in the way of weekly sermons and articles and, and even podcasts on a variety of subjects. We interview many pastors, solid reformed pastors. But here's the thing. Uh, we don't provide communion. We don't provide baptism. And, and here's the thing that you need to understand. The church is absolutely essential in the mission of making disciples who make disciples of Christ. Now, our mission is to do that. Our, our mission at Servants of Grace is to make disciples. It's to help people know the God of the Bible and to equip them to, with the knowledge of God's word so they might grow in and serve the God of 
grace. Now, that's a good thing. But our desire does not replace that of God's. Our desire as Christians has to align with God's word. And as such, our ministry will always, will always, I assure you, as long as I am alive, it will align with this priority in the right way. Because our desire is to help you to come alongside uh, of the ministry of your local church and to provide podcasts and interviews and discussions and things and, and biblical teaching and articles in and, and our magazine and our various podcasts to help you grow, to help you grow in the knowledge of God's word and of the grace of God revealed in the scriptures so that you might serve God in your local church and outside of it for God's glory. Whatever your vocation is, whatever your your job is, you walk in the doors of the local church every Sunday because, as J.I. Packer once said, that's where the normal Christian life is lived. It's, it's lived with God's people over 50 times in the New Testament. We're told to one another, each other. That can only be done, not on the internet, folks. That can only be done with other Christians in the local church where, where they rub off on you and you rub off on them and you have to deal with the conflict and communicate and work through things and various differences of opinion on a variety of subjects. But the point is, is that the church, the local church, is absolutely essential. It is the only institution that God has established for, for the good of his people and for our society as a whole that that would carry forth the glad tidings of good news uh, for God's glory alone. Is the church perfect? Let's be honest about this. The church is not perfect. (laughs) And Martin Luther, that great reformer, said, write summal justice el pectora at the same time, saint and sinner for a reason. Because you, while we're made, while we're declared righteous, we're declared not guilty by God, we, we yet still have indwelling remaining sin. And so I need you and you need me and we need one another to speak the truth and love to one another, to come alongside for one another, to care for one another when we're grieving, when we're struggling, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, and so much more. I need you, you need me. And we need to tell each other the truth but not just tell each other the truth. We need to tell each other the truth in love, seasoned with grace. And the truth is the church is absolutely beautiful. The church has the, the church because of Christ is absolutely beautiful and majestic. And God is using the church in amazing ways to preach the word. And you have a role in that. The question is, are you willing to be faithful? Are you willing to be humble? Are you willing to be are you willing to be teachable? Here's the thing, if you are, then God can use you. If you're only the only difference, as we've talked about recently on this show, the only difference between the man and a woman is only a man can be a uh, only a biblically qualified man, as defined in, in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, can be a pastor. But God can use anybody. We see we need we need older men to Titus 2 to instruct and to walk alongside younger men. And, and the ladies, we need older ladies to walk, do the same with younger women. You see, if I, I'm, I'm 40, that means I can walk alongside those who are 30 and 20 and in their teens, you know, and so on and so forth. We need to walk alongside one another in the, in the various stages of life and, 
and to grow together in in the grace of God. That that's why we talked about small groups. That's that's really one of the best ways to do that. But make no mistake about it. As Christians, we should be always opening our Bible, reading our Bibles, and also I want to say we need to be studying church history. We need to see not an under have a good understanding of not only how the church has confronted error and dealt with error, <coughs> but we also need to have a good understanding of how doctrine has been developed from God's word throughout the history of the church so that so that we can respond to things as they come up because you know what new heresies are the thing is is they're not new there's nothing new under the sun solomon said and that's a that that helps us to understand hey you know what the things that we're dealing with the things that we're encountering the things in which we're ministering to today and speaking to the church has already dealt with and we have to we have to understand that and we have to understand god's word and we have to understand how the church has responded to those things in other words we don't have to reinvent the wheel god the bible tells us in ephesians 4 15 that god gave us teachers and those teachers were given for the primary reason uh, as 2 timothy 2 15 tells us to rightly handle the word of god so we not only have Good teachers are to have good teachers who teach sound doctrine from the pulpit on the Lord's Day and on every day that, that the church gathers in, in any capacity. But we also have good teachers from the past, from the previous centuries of the church, who, who have taught us much about sound doctrine. And we, we need both. We need teachers in our local churches. We need pastors in our local churches. But we also need to learn from pastors and teachers who have gone before us, who who teach us today and can teach us today about not only how to respond to air, um, but also what that air is and how they responded to it. And also that can instruct us how we should deal with air today. And the church desperately needs to to respond to air. We need reformation. We're living in a time when you know, we, we have great need of, of reformation today uh, on, on many, many fronts, as we're going to talk about on this show here in the next couple months but um, and, and, and years, really. But here's the thing. It all goes back to this. Do you trust the word? Are you going to be faithful to the scriptures? And faith by faithful, I mean, are you going to teach what accords with the 66 books of the word of God? Are you going to be faithful to declare the glory of Christ? the Son of God and the Son of Man from the Scriptures? Are you going to be involved in serving in some capacity, whether whether it's even showing up and ministering to others in your small group? That counts. Are you going to pray for other people in your church? Be there for them. That counts too. Uh, are you willing to even hold the door? We're not talking about getting radically involved. We're talking about jumping in, doing life with one another. And God can use you wherever you are and however old you are. The question is, will you be faithful to the scriptures? Will you be faithful to the, the grace of God revealed in the scriptures? And will you be humble and submitted to the leadership, the biblical leadership of your church? If so, God can use you and he will use you. Not for your glory, not to so that you can build a platform, not so that you can have a name or, or have a brand, but but for God's glory alone. And that, my friends, should be the goal of all of us, to be used for God's glory alone in the life of his people, to expand his fame according to his word, and but by his grace, and for the testimony, for the fame, and for the praise of God among the nations. Now, I want to thank you for listening to this episode, of this Wednesday episode. Until Monday and next Wednesday, 
my prayer is that God will bless you and that he would he would use these things in your life to help you grow to be more like Christ and desire to do life with the community of God's people. Until next time, God bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.